Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for episode number 79 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we're helping you navigate a lot of the new legislation that has come about in recent months. As you know, there have been quite a few changes that have come out over the past two years, and in order to help you try to stay up to date, we have put together some highlights regarding the most recent changes. More specifically, we want to give you some high-level information about Section 139, PTE, or the Pass-Through Entity Tax, and the Child Tax Credit. So in order to help me cover this, because I have no idea what's going on, so I'm going to be asking all the questions, Katina Peters, partner here at PJS and Co-CPAs, is going to be explaining all of this to us. So welcome, Katina. Hi, Megan. Yeah. Wow. It's been a whirlwind of a few years here, a couple years, I guess. Hopefully not a few. Hopefully it calms down going yeah. forward but with all the uh, crossed. and the tax changes and this and that going on and the state supplements and wow, lots to try to wrap your hat around, you know, and then even from our level, you know, on the accountant side, it's like these legislators, they just say here and they just throw stuff out and then nobody really has the back end of how that's actually going to work and actually right. going to happen. <laughs> and then we're going to say, great idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there's a lot of um, back end work that, you know, kind of goes behind the scenes with the IRS issuing clarifications and SBA issuing clarifications and, you know, how this is going to work and how you actually go about these calculations and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's been a lot for even accounting professionals to absorb and, you know, really put into place. And we've just done a lot of staying up on everything that's coming out, a lot of reading. I'm involved in the AICPA town hall meetings that they started last year because of all these changes. And so they get, you know, all CPAs together that are members and just discuss how this all works and, and getting clarification and from SBA, et cetera. So yeah. So I, um, you know, on the business owner level side, I mean, definitely filtering through this and getting this information, you want to be working closely with your tax preparer, your CPA, your advisors, because there's just a lot out there to know. And a lot of things that, um, you can, you know, you, you can use um, to help your business. I mean, a lot of this was put out to, to help businesses, you know, survive through everything and continue to grow and thrive. Um, so, but you have to be aware of it. Right. To be able to utilize it. So we wanted to kind of, you know, put a little bit of this information out there in such a way that it's high level and you can understand it and try not to put you to sleep through it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's our goal. Yeah. And I just want to re reiterate that too, that we are staying very high level for these overviews. So if you have questions, obviously, if you're working with a CPA or a CFO already, go to them and ask specifically about your individual situation. And if you're looking for a VCFO, obviously, we're available as well. You can find us at pjscpas.com. Reach out to us at info at pjscpas.com. 
you know, all of our contact information is on our website and we are happy to meet with you and talk through some of this stuff too. So that being said, let's start with section 139 because we've got all of these acronyms and numbers coming out at us and it's <laughs> it's overwhelming. So yes. what does this mean? Government lingo. Right. <laughs> so Section 139 is actually an IRS code section. So a lot of times we say that, you know, that's just the code section that it comes from. And that code section has to do with qualified disaster relief payments. So this applies not only to the pandemic, but that's a big one for everybody right now. So um, so we're going to speak of it more in terms of that. But but technically, any qualified disaster um, that is a federally declared disaster issue with regards to that would qualify just, you know, as an overarching principle to understand. So basically what this allows is it allows for employers to pay employees, including themselves, if they're an employee of the business, um, to for reimbursement of reasonable and necessary necessary, excuse me, personal, family, living, or funeral expenses with regards to a qualified disaster. Okay. So that's, you know, as most business owners know, tip that's not typical, right? Typically you can pay for business expenses, you know, things that are valid business expenses that have to do right. with business. Well, this is much more broad based, you know, it's talking about, you know, things that they had to do, you know, maybe they had to go get extra testing or they had to cover some medical bills or they had to, you know, uh, get childcare or they had to, you know, do different things during the pandemic to continue to be able to work, to just deal with what was going on. And so these payments are really up to the employer to decide what they want to do as far as the amounts go. You just have to be able to support you know, that it's related to the pandemic and, and, and how it's related, those kinds of things. So there are some nuances in there to be aware of. And we'll talk about some best practices in a little bit. So that's kind of, the, again, the overarching thing. So you decide as the employer what you want to help your people with. And those payments are deductible to you as a business. And, and, the, and the individuals don't have to include them in their income. So it's a okay. good solution. Um, so it's not a taxable, it's not generating like a taxable compensation or anything for the individuals. So it's again, it's just kind of a way for the government to uh, help businesses help their people without creating tax, you know, scenarios and situations. Right. So if you're working with a payroll company like ADP, you know, we've had them on as a guest in the past, can they help you encoding that correctly? Because I imagine there's probably... A specific way that you have to code that on the yeah. payroll side. And we actually recommend rather than putting it in the payroll at all is just really doing it separately because then okay. there's no question about the compensation. So this would just be like an expense reimbursement check, for example, that you would cut to an employee. Um, because, you know, I mean, yes, technically you can do that through your payroll company. And if you do that, just make sure, you like you said, it's very clear <laughs> that it's not payroll related and what's going on with it. Um, but you also can just cut like a separate expense reimbursement type of check okay. um, to people as well. So yeah, there's a couple ways to handle that. You want to make sure that you do have that coding correctly. So just a couple of quick examples of some stuff that, that this could cover, just to give you, you know, an idea. Uh, I mentioned a couple little ones as we were talking about it, but you know, things 
here like unreimbursed medical expenses, co-pays, non-prescription drugs, critical care, things for that related to COVID-19 treatment. Some things can be like masks, hand sanitizers, disinfectants, you know, delivery services for groceries, things that, you know, you couldn't go to the grocery store. So you had to, to pay for somebody to deliver that because of the pandemic. Funeral expenses. Um, if there was somebody, you know, that unfortunately had passed away from the pandemic or related again to the pandemic, there are things that can be covered there. Also, a lot of people went work to work remotely. So now these can arguably be business or non-business type related things. So, but again, it's just kind of all expansive in allowing these things. So computers, printers, internet service, things that helped that remote work to happen. And then other things uh, like for children, for learning from home, you know, maybe you had to buy tablets or extra computers or whatever to facilitate your children being at home and learning and not ha- being able to go into the school. So you can see this is pretty expansive in the, the types of things that you can do. So you'd want to make sure that, uh, again, you've got some documentation on that, too. So before I go into that, though, let's talk a little bit about just making sure that you are delineating between expense reimbursements and things like compensation. So things like sick pay, uh, vacation time, stuff like that, that's still paid as payroll, just like it always has been. So just to make sure you don't kind of commingle those together. So I just wanted to throw that warning out there. So um, yeah. So in in regards to some best practices that you want to have, and and we've, for our clients, formulated these into actual documents and things that can be utilized. Um, So we've got, first of all, we want to encourage everyone to do this before the end of the year. Okay. To get that taken care of and, and get it all, you know, you get the best circumstance tax-wise, et cetera, you want to coordinate with your tax preparer and advisor on that. But you want to adopt a formal plan around this so that you've got that in your corporate minutes, et cetera. You have that plan together. Um, You want to have the employee also signing off on what they're getting. Like, yes, I validate these expenses. Yes, I'm getting reimbursed for them. They're not compensation, you know, those kinds of things. So there's some lingo in there that you Mm -hmm. want to use. And then you want to have documentation, like I mentioned already, of the expenses being reimbursed. So, you know, a spreadsheet showing what those expenses were, receipts, things like that, backing it up. So kind of similar to what you would do in a normal employee reimbursement plan and qualified plan similar here just different types of stuff right so those are some best practices around 139 okay perfect so now we're going to move on to the next acronym (laughs) next confusing thing that's been thrown our way uh the pte or pass-through entity tax Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes yeah and this one is uh kind of a responsive, a state response, really, I should say, to some federal laws. So if you're in a pass-through entity, and and so that means you'd be like an S-corp partnership, something that's producing a K-1 to you at the end of the year, that's where this applies. So uh, because it is related just purely to pass-through entities. (laughs) So that's why we use acronyms. So we don't have to keep saying things like that. Yeah. (laughs) Get it out. (laughs) PTE is a lot easier to say. Um, So um, anyway, so what happened with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, of 2017? So this is going back a little bit. 
there was a cap put on your state and local tax deduction of $10,000. Um, so this is if you're itemizing on your Schedule A, not to get overly complicated, you're itemizing on your personal tax return, which goes on Schedule A. So you, when you're doing that, now your limit on that tax is $10,000. Okay, so you can't deduct any more than $10,000 on that particular line item. This affected tons of people that were in high income taxing states, you know, where they have a lot of tax in California and New York, where, you know, maybe, especially in a pass through, you're paying $40,000, $50,000 in state income tax. That's a pretty big difference in how much you're paying versus your cap, right? Right. Um, so, so it created a lot of problems there. So the states have been trying to figure it out a way to <laughs> kind of go around this. I don't want to say create a loophole exactly, but they're trying to figure out how to help their the people in their state to get a better tax taxing situation out of this. Right. So what they have done, a lot of states have done, is they passed ways for pass-through entities to elect to pay their tax from the pass-through, not on their individual tax return, which is normally how it's done, but to pay it through the entity on an entity return instead at the state level. So now you're kind of moving that expense into the business, which then gets deducted at the business level. So your K-1 has less income flowing through to you personally, so you're paying less personal tax to the state. Okay. So okay. they're kind of shifting how it's being paid and being able to, again, take that as a business deduction now. So you don't lose it altogether, which is what is happening for a lot of people that have these pass-through entities currently. Okay. Okay. So this sounds, and we're being high level, so this sounds really simple in theory, and it is simple in theory, but in practice, remember, every state is different. <laughs> And how right. apply this is different right. and how they're going to, and some states require all the partners or all the, the shareholders to agree and some don't, and they can make different elections. And so you really need to work with your tax advisor on this because it's, it's brand new. First of all, it's just coming out in a lot of states. It's a little complicated and some states simpler, some states not as simple. And then of course, if you have a multi-state business that, you know, just adds to the complexity. Uh, right. Involved as well. But it is something definitely that could help tax-wise. So you mentioned specifically higher tax states like California and New York, but this is in every state? It's not, it's not in every state. So you have to check okay. your state. There's quite a few that have done it at this point. I think the last count I saw was 18 states okay. that have passed legislation with regards to that. And there are more that have legislation in the works for that as well. Um, so you really need to check with your advisor and, and look into the state law specifically where you're operating because, yeah, it's not not a nationwide thing at this time. Okay. This is why it's important to have a CPA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And the last topic we're going to cover is the child tax credit, which threw me off a bit. And I had some questions when this came out too for all of you because as a marketing professional, I'm just, you know, this tax mumbo jumbo confuses me. So we wanted to cover this and just answer some questions that I had high level. And again, reiterating, ask your CPA because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yes, this is something that, you know, has, has come out newly, as you said, and I'm sure most people have heard about it on the news, at least at this point. So the 
payments are coming monthly and, and we'll get into that a little bit but just to start there um it kicked off on july 15th so the irs began dispersing checks some of them direct deposits some of them paper checks on july 15th and they're dispersing to eligible families which we'll go into eligibility in a second with children ages 17 or younger so and it breaks down even further than that so for every child under the age of six families are going to get up to 3600 under the expansion or 300 per month because again they're splitting it out monthly and then for every child ages 6 to 17 the amount's 3000 or 250 per month spreading it out again so it's boosts first of all it's boosting the credit so you've been getting a credit on your tax return child tax credit or child credit excuse me on uh, your tax return as of $2000 now it's boosting that to 3600 for each child under 6 or 3000 for each child ages 6 6 to 17 so it's first of all changing the credit that you were getting in the past on just your annual tax return and they're basically prepaying it at this point so it's making it refundable so even if you're not owing federal tax you're able to get that. Um, so there's, there, well, let me back up. There's two different types of credits. <laughs> okay. Refundable credits and non-refundable credits. So refundable credits, you can get a refund for, right? That's pretty obvious. Non-refundable just reduces your tax that you owe. But if you don't own any tax, you don't get anything back, just kind of washes out zero, zero, right? Right. They did make this now refundable credit. Okay. So that's a little different uh, application than it was in the past. Okay. So to get this, to qualify, I guess, going into the eligibility side, obviously you have to have kids in those ages, right? And uh, then also you have to earn less than 75000 as a single taxpayer or less than 150000 as a joint uh, spouse taxpayer. And then those payments get reduced. So this is what we call the phase out zone. <laughs> so the payments start to reduce by $50 for each $1,000 of income above those limits. Okay. So get so if you could look at the thousand a little bit more. So if you're, you know, 76,000 as a single, you get $50 less a month. That's how it works. And that phase out uh, ends at 95. So between 75 and 95, you start to get less money and then 95, you don't get anything. Okay. Right. And then on the joint filers, it's between 150 to 170. So at 170, you don't get anything. Between 150 and 170, you get a phased out smaller amounts. You know, as you go higher, you get less. So that's how they're doing this as far as just overall qualifications. So there are a couple of nuances and exceptions to that that I'm not going going to get into the technicalities of. Talk to your tax preparer and advisor about if that would be you, um, because it gets uh, a little complicated there. So go ahead. So, yeah. No. Well, like like many people, I think I've been. We always file and take the tax credit at the end of the year with our taxes. So this that's why this all confused me, and I had a couple questions because I'm like, well. That's just going to reduce the amount that I can claim on my taxes at the end of the year, right? If I take the checks. So that's why I was confused because it seemed like it was just going to throw off what we're used yeah. to at yeah. the end of the year. So I think that's where a lot of my questions were stemming from as far as how is this going to affect our taxes at the end of the year? Yeah. And that's and that's a huge either a huge question or just a huge unknown for people like um, right. so this is in advance, right? So you're getting the money ahead. and 
um, unfortunately, um, some people may not look at it that way and not realize it coming to the end of the year, because what's going to happen if you get it now, you're not going, like you said, to get it later. And you have to plan that way. Um, so a lot of people kind of plan their taxes and, and are maybe used to getting a big refund at the end of the year or not owing very much at the end of the year or something like that. And, and this is something that you, you don't opt into. They put you in it. You have to opt out. <laughs> so you, you automatically are in it if you qualify based on your prior year. So it's something that, you know, you, you kind of don't get a choice. They put you in. I mean, you get a choice yeah. in that you can go in and opt out, but you just right. automatically put in. So you're just going to get it unless you opt out as, as long as you qualify. But then at the end of the year, you may have a surprise if you weren't thinking ahead about this where you don't get that bigger refund that you were expecting or you owe more than you right. thought you didn't plan on this and these numbers I mean depending on how many kids you are these can be decently sizable numbers for some people right so yeah that's that's something that you know any of these type of situations you need to watch out for when there's advances or you know payments that are coming in that may impact what happens at the end of the year because um, we don't like surprises I know we talked a lot about tax planning um, and yeah. how important it is and so we want to make sure that people are thinking about that and what they want to do um, with regards to that. So. And and understanding this, this, this is different than the stimulus checks everybody received prior, because I, I've heard some people talking about it as if it's just a stimulus and it's, it's an additional stimulus check, which oh, is not. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely not. Not definitely not the same tax treatment at all. So yeah. Right. You don't want to do those. <laughs> all right. Well, if I haven't reiterated it enough, in this episode, I am going to say it again. Talk to your CPA, talk to your CFO, because this stuff, there's so many different details that go into each individual person's situation, what your business looks like, how you're structured, that there's no way to do this on your own. I wouldn't even want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. So <laughs> thank God for you accountants and CPAs that know your stuff and attend things like those town halls and have the information to help guide us because holy moly, um, it's a lot. So <laughs> thank you so much for clearing some of that up. Like I said, reach out to your CPA if you have one currently, or if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us as well. Like I said, all of our contact information can be found at pjscpas.com. We are happy to talk to you and help you uh, try to make sense of all this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Again, just kind of wanting to give you guys enough firepower to uh, know a little bit about it and start asking questions and get the best situation for you. So I think that's the important kind of takeaway from this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just be aware that Section 139 is a thing and you can ask about it and perhaps take advantage of it for your business. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Katina. And as always, keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.